Hey, what's up? Hey, we're in a new hey, location. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, I want to say it again. We're in a new location, <laughs> and uh, it's a little echoey. A lot. It's a little bit. It's okay though. We're not upset. <laughs> Our listeners can't we're see excited. this, but Mo and I both like <laughs> when you said that. We started to listen like we haven't been in the room until just now. <laughs> It's fun though, isn't it? Rolling our podcast just around the uh, Madison area, Madison, Mississippi area. Yeah, next week we'll be at Primos. I mean, you while never know. it's in business, yeah, can, in yeah. the kitchen, in the kitchen, <laughs> in the kitchen. There'll be no noise there. Yeah, no worry about echo there. But so we're um, we're in this situation because where we normally record our podcast is under construction, which is a very exciting thing. Uh, but the noise level there is prohibitive us from being uh, exactly in that place. Prohibitive us. Prohibitive us. Yeah, the crazy thing is, like, literally by the time they hear this, the walls could literally be on the floor. Yeah, or crazy. we could be back. We could just or be back in. Be. I mean, who yeah. knows how this is going to go. Uh, so we actually do have a topic today, which I don't, I'm not really wanting to rush to, but something that we need to address before we get there. Mo, you brought this up. Because we do a lot of listening to Mike Rowe. He's actually a, a little bit of a hero of uh, ours. Excuse me. I brought that up last week. You, you brought up Mike Rowe? Uh, yeah. Right? Because I said we listened to it on the way home. I think he's talking about off mic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. A little confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Off but mic yes, doesn't Chase, you did apparently. bring up <laughs> Thank you. Mike apparently Rowe. we fanboy about Mike Rowe a lot in a <laughs> lot of different conversations. We remember each occasion that it occurred. There's too many to count. But something this guy does is... It's pretty unique the way he rolls out. And this, I don't know how many, they were saying um, in an episode that I listened to, one of them has, I can't even remember how many hundreds of thousands of downloads, maybe in the millions, I don't know. But he anyway. 300,000 downloads. 300,000? That he is uh, available to his listening audience exclusively through social media, right? In fact, I think he said that everything he does is a social media, like his, it's, people come to him through social media other than I guess his, his organization, his, his foundation. But, um, so not that we are short on things to talk about because we are doing life with men. And as we do life with men, we learn things and we, uh, recognize where men are at, but our audience has grown, um, larger than we could have imagined. I don't That's think true. we ever thought that it was going to be as big as it is. Just so, our moms as we were just recording this for our moms. Yeah. And then yeah. At the and start. so, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. But also, um, we wanted to give you guys, the listeners, an opportunity to reach out to us. You know, we are reaching into your lives and into your cars and into your iPhones. Um, you can reach out to us and you don't have to wait for our website to finally be finished. We are building it, um, but we don't, you don't have to wait for that. Just reach us through Facebook at Hanger Men, H-A-N-G-A-R-M-E-N. Um, and that's where you'll find us. So you can drop us a line, let us know where you're from, let us know that you're listening and let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Yeah. There are three, three things I think that I appreciate most as people reach out over social media. The first is when they disagree. Uh, but I'm going to put this caveat out there. If you disagree with something that we're saying, it needs to be an intelligent disagreement, not just, um, you're idiot. Right, exactly. Like we have people that tell us that all the time. We got plenty of people in that. So we're space. immune to that. Yeah, and <laughs> right. if, you, if you do that, Chase will put you to shame. Yeah, but I think it's important for us to say. <laughs> I don't, 
part of being in masculine community and on the masculine journey is disagreeing. You know, that's something that we're going to, we should do an entire episode on that at some point. I don't agree with that. <laughs> See, there he is. Thank you. Uh, so we have the disagreement. Then we have the, uh, we have the agree, but did you think about this? I love those conversations when I get into with other men about the podcast. They're like, Hey, I loved what you said, but have you thought about, and there's a door that they open that we actually hadn't thought about. Those are very helpful, you know, and then there's the original idea that's based in a man's struggle. Those are my particular favorites because it's what pulled me into this kind of way of life in the first place. When a man opens up about, hey, I'm really struggling with this particular thing. What do you think the hanger would have to say about that? Man, those would be just some huge jumping off points. And just to open up that line of communication to be able to interact with our listening audience more than just the people that we run into around town, I think is going to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I think uh, one of those things you talked about being open for disagreement you know, we try to avoid that in most cases because it sucks. Oh, just, uh, wait a minute. Uh, I, I, uh, I think Mo just did the segue deal. Wow. Did he, Man. That was very just, good. That we, new... No, never mind. I'm, could I we have a moment good. of silence? Amazing. I'm yeah. just so proud of you, man. <laughs> a literal love, moment. <laughs> I love how we ruined it. <laughs> it was gorgeous. It was it just was, set up there on the T perfect. I know. I think I don't think we've ever not called out a segue that I love how we it's, do that. It's part of what we do. It sucks though. <laughs> and he's going back. <laughs> All right. So obviously you're just itching to get this topic rolling today. So. No, I just know how adamant. Chase is about being done in 30 minutes. Yeah, I think I would be adamant about that too. I, you know, as a podcast listener, when you start rolling, when your episodes get lengthy, I'm like, all right, get to the point or you've restated it. So let's, let's talk about it. Should I bring this up? Because when I brought up this topic, you're like, gosh, that sounds oddly sexual. What is this about? You know, we, that's kind of the initial reaction. So look, maybe I should just lead us in with the definition or do you want to do that? Oh no, by all means. Okay. So I, I am, because of just the home that I grew up in, I'm a student of military culture. I love history. I never had the guts to actually get involved with the military. That's a practice thing on this podcast. But I'm always looking to the military for inspiration because I believe not just the the United States military, but militaries throughout history and across the world right now have something figured out that they can bring a group of people together that are from all different backgrounds around a common purpose, give them particular jobs, help them mature, accountability, all that stuff is in there. So uh, I'm not saying that I'm looking to march off to war somewhere, but there's something we can learn. I ran across this phrase a couple of years ago, actually, and it just caught my attention. I haven't been able to forget it. And some things connected in the past week talking with men and their stories about it. So here's, you guys ready for the phrase? Do it. Uh, Yes. Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Okay, so obviously for the men that are listening, like, oh well, we hear that word, we're gonna we're gonna think sexually about all that. Well, okay, we'll get past that, clear that <laughs> then out, then grow up. Yeah, grow up <laughs> a little bit, uh, because where that word most often comes up, if you're not set in seventh grade in a locker room, where that most often comes up is you're sitting down with the guy and he says, "Man, this sucks," mm-hmm. like, or you express what's going on in your life and the other guy says back to you, "Man, that sucks. I'm sorry about that." So embracing the suck from the military point of view talks about 
becoming familiar with things that are difficult or things, particular things that are difficult to you in that familiarity, just knowing they're going to happen. It's happened before. It's not going to stop me from reaching my objective. It's not going to kill me. Even if there is a danger that it's going to kill me, I'm not going to allow it. There's just a lot there. The visual that I want to give our listeners right now is when you look at those, um, uh, documentaries on hell week and, uh, the seals and all that, they make them flip up on the chain link fence and they're doing, uh, just handstands and they're sliding down. Most people have seen this, but there's just a guy there with a little, a water hose and it's just barely on, but he's just spraying them in the face, right? So you're not going to drown with a water hose spraying in your face, but it's got to be, I would imagine. In fact, we're chase is going to do this later on today, just outside, just mm-hmm. to see, just to prove our point. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be incredibly annoying, but it's not going to kill you, but it is enough to break you, right? So this is what I want to just kind of talk about this space in the masculine journey today. How do we familiarize ourselves with things that are going to be difficult? Because often we see, and Mo, Mo you could agree or disagree here, but I, I think you're going to agree with me on this. Often we see men go to some very bad, bad places when things get difficult, they run from difficulty by reaching out for other things. They're going to make that difficult to go away, even if temporarily. There's a huge lesson we can learn in this embracing the suck way of going about living. Yeah, I think that the what you talk about running away, there's so many like layers and levels to that. You know, it's not just you run away from difficulty, you run to something, the bottle, the affair, the whatever. Um and then you find yourself upset that you ran away because it's in a man's nature not to, or a man thinks that he should stay, stand his ground, or he knows that he should deep down, but when he runs away from it, he feels like a coward. So I think that aside from just trying to avoid the suck and run towards the um, anesthesia, <laughs> you are also in that moment drowning yourself in sorrow because you recognize that you're a coward because you've run away, man. That's strong language. <laughs> he said 30 minutes, not 30 <laughs> seconds on our episode. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot disagree with you there though. There's something, uh, something very deep in the heart of a man when this transaction happens where it kind of covers you in that guilt and shame feeling like I've done it again. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be that guy. Now I want to be careful not to put out there that we're not telling men that you just need to pace through difficult things on your own and figure it out. I mean, that's a message that the church and every other masculine movement has been throwing out there for decades, if not longer. But we are saying that men should believe about themselves that they can pace through and make it through difficult things in a way that is different than the other men around men around them. The way that the hanger men are choosing to live is different. I don't think we talk about that enough. It's, it's the ideal we believe, uh, and we've seen it work out well, but it is different than the way most of the men around us are living. So we we're going to feel that feeling of isolation. I'm not calling men to embrace the suck and just figure it out and make it through and just put your head down, pull up bootstraps, all that. stuff. that's not what we mean, but we are saying there is, and what you're already starting to paint here in this episode, there are things it's going to cost you if you don't embrace the suck more than you realize at the moment when you run away from it. Yeah. I wonder where that idea comes from. So I'm just sitting here like, uh, thinking as you're talking about where the root of that desire to run from the suck, like, where does that come from? Where, where does that, 
what is that rooted in? Um, I can't think of it, you know, other than as I think of parenting, trying to avoid pain for your children, you know, Hey, don't do that. It's going to hurt. And then you pull them away, you know, don't let them feel the hurt, um, out of love and care for them. But, uh, I don't know. I wonder what, what do you think? What do you guys think where that might come from? Ah, uh, man, I have a proposal. I don't know that I, it's, I may disagree with myself inside of my own proposal, but I don't think that we were designed for difficulty as human beings. I think we were designed for perfection and we've had to deal with difficulty. You know, we were designed to exist in a perfect environment. Our belief about the most ancient story is that we were dropped into utopia and we were supposed to be in perfect relationship with God. I mean, there, there was not going to be a lack, but then some decisions were made that called us out of that, pulled us out of that necessarily. So this desire to, to move away from difficulty and towards peace, I think is pretty ancient inside of all of us. And uh, if you look at the pages of the Bible, there's a lot of God calling people into difficult situations and trying to get them to acclimate inside of that. I think that's his care over us. But the whole fight or flight thing, I know there are a lot of psychologists that would say, oh, that's in there, it's genetic. But I think as I look at it from a spiritual perspective, we were originally designed to live pre-fall, the fall of man. We're living after the fall, and our desire to be in difficulty, especially I feel like when I'm in difficulty, the biggest thing I feel is a disconnect with God. And that's one of the major things that happened in the beginning. So that'd be my proposal, just shooting from the hip. And that's interesting. <laughs> it's like the idea that somehow on a deep level that we can't even recognize is a reminder of the moment man was disconnected from a relationship with God, man, you know, so like ingrained in all of us, according to what you're saying, maybe you can correct me, but according to what you're saying, it's almost like ingrained in all of us. When we find ourselves in sucky situations, it's almost like when we feel that disconnect from God, we're somehow brought back to a memory that's most ancient uh, in mankind that we have been separated because of things like this or whatever. I think that's, so. Yeah, it's interesting. Does it? I think that. it kind of holds water. I mean, you know, it's not like I've written a paper on it or a book or anything, but I feel like that's why God is pretty frequently in Scripture saying, "Don't be afraid, have courage," and it's often followed with, "Because I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not apart from you. I'm not away from you. I'm I'm still here." But that's something that we question, and I think this connects a lot to the stories of hangar men that that we're sharing life with locally right now and hearing stories of hangar men at a distance that's a lot of what's going on right now in their life is this thing has happened or i'm walking through these particular things i'm just wondering where is god or did i offend god so much with my behavior that he's he's left me and then these feelings of loneliness or i'm trapped in this addiction i mean it's kind of at the root of all of this and what we're saying is i think through this phrase what we mean by embrace the suck inside of the hangar is Life is going to be full of difficulty. Let's get back to the military analogy. The SEAL teams spend a lot of time, uh, and I know there's if there are any SEALs listening to us right now, they're probably mocking us and calling us names, but that, that's what SEALs do, right, according to the History Channel. Mm, sure. <laughs> well, anyway, they uh, through their training, one of the predominant things they do is to familiarize themselves with water and the things that water can do and what can happen in the water. And I think this is what we're trying to propose to Hangerman today. You are destined for a life of difficulty. And if you believe otherwise, you are a fool. The Bible tells us this. You will have a lot of trouble 
you're just going to have a lot of trouble. But when men hit a lot of trouble, let me just ask this in a question format. When men hit a lot of trouble, what are the things that men normally do? Um, retreat. I mean, modern man, right? I'm, I'm putting myself, I'm, I'm looping myself into this. I'm not just like pointing fingers at people listening. No, yeah. That we don't, gosh, but, we would never want to do that here. We're, okay, so what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> what do yeah, we do well, when we hit difficulty? <clears throat> Sorry. I think, what the heck? <clears throat> Sorry, Chase. I think that um, one of the things that we do is retreat. Maybe the, the most often. What we do, though, is we try to mask our retreat with action. We would say things, we'll lie to ourselves, we'll convince ourselves and others that I'm not retreating, I'm just taking action over here. When what you're not doing is dealing with the problem, facing the enemy. I'm going to go over here uh, in the woods and just see if I can find any enemies over there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to, I can, I'm, I'm not literally leaving. in this conversation mode right now. Like I'm like, no Mo, there's enemies here. Don't run away. <laughs> I'm just trying to convince you yeah. how to not go somewhere. Well, it's just, I mean, that's, it's like, we're here though. Like, this is it. We're, I'm not leaving guys. Don't worry. I'm still fighting. You know, don't worry about me. Pray for me. Cause there's going to be enemies in there and I'm gonna go look for them. So, well, the one, the one that you're trying to kill is right in front of you. Yeah. So like maybe face it. Um, but I would say that the number one would be retreat in my opinion. Yeah, I, I could go with that. How about you, Chase? You agree? Yeah, uh, yes. I don't know. I I want to say panic too, but I don't mm. know if that's in the same. No, yeah, that boy, that feels very true. Yeah, they at least go hand in hand. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because like, like, one of my gut reactions is just panic, just like, oh, life got hard. What now? <laughs> <laughs> Man, how short would our uh, lunches be in our conversations with each other if we just said that from the start? <laughs> I'm in a panic. Life got hard. <laughs> so what do I do? Well, I don't retreat. All right. All right. Cool. See you later. <laughs> All right. Who's got this one? You paying for this one or me? Yeah. So we have, uh, we've got retreat. We have panic. Um, maybe this is just me personally, but I think fix. Fix is something that not in the sudden like fix. Into, I don't mean that. Like we just look to fix. If, if I've got sand in my boots, then I'm going to take them off. I'm going to shake the sand out and I'm not going to walk on the sand anymore. But the problem, or you just start trying to buy another pair of boots, hoping that it doesn't. Yeah, oh, these other sand in. These other boots are taller. They're more expensive, or and, you know, then you run across the guy that's got chacos on. You're like, who is that weirdo? Right? <laughs> Even though Always. he's more comfortable than you. Yeah, somewhere that broke down. <laughs> but the idea is, we we just try to fix it, and and that usually comes out in absolutes. Men start talking like, "I'm never this. I'm never going to do that." Or this is never going to happen to me again in this way. We just try to fix it. But the problem is, is if you look at, um, and I think this is a phrase we need to start teaching hangman. As you look at the biblical narrative, what we mean when we say those two words together is just the entire story of the Bible cover to cover. As you look at what the Bible tells us about life, it's constantly God setting an objective out there and having his kids walk through difficulty to get to that objective. And the objective usually is just a point out there in the future somewhere, but really the objective that God is after is the growth of the child. Mm. And I think that's what God is out for in a lot. Even in our mistakes, the Bible talks about this. God uses everything for the good. We just, we forget that as men, we forget that when we're going through difficulty, especially difficulty that we've caused, Mm. we feel like, man, I caused this big problem. God is completely absent from this. I can't embrace this. 
I just wonder what it would be like, and I'm, I'm going to call this out too. I wonder what it would be like if modern man learned how to be lonely. I don't mean isolated. I mean lonely. There, this feeling comes on men more than men talk about. I hear this word at least once a week, and not just from people who have had their marriage end. I'm talking about people who are highly relationally connected. They talk about being lonely, especially leaders, men who are at the front of things, feel very lonely. What would it be like if men understood how to get through that in the same way that a seal understands having the oxygen ripped out of their mouth and the tank off their back and they can't panic. I just feel like men need to learn how to do, I need to learn how to do this. Stop panicking. uh, Stop trying to fix it. Stop running away from it. Embrace it and live through it. Yeah. One of the things that, and I'm hoping this will answer the question, but one of the things that I hear men talk about is they want to know what God's will is for their lives. I just want to know what God's will is for my life. And then I can go. And then I'll be better. If I'm here now, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to know what God's will is for my life so that I can go do it. What they really want to hear is they want to hear somebody tell them to do something different that will take them out of the suck. Because the only place you're going to find God's will is on the other end of that suck. Is it possible that God wants you to go through the sucky situation so that you can find the will, his will that's on the other end of it. God hasn't ever, like you, you just said it, God, has, throughout the whole narrative, the biblical narrative, God pulls, pushes people through difficult situations so that at the end they can recognize all that he'd been doing or what he's going to do after you get through it. I mean, Abraham is a prime example, having to sacrifice his son. It wasn't uncommon back then, but the fact that this was a promise that was going to go literally <laughs> through the rest of time, um, and bring about one of the most, no, bring about the most important historical event of human history. He had to go through this long three-day journey with his son next to him, take him up, tie him up, put him on a, on a freaking altar, and get ready to kill him before God said, ah, this is what we're going to do. So, like, we, as men, don't embrace the suck because we're too scared to find out what's on the other end when in fact what's on the other end is what we're looking for to begin with. I agree with you with this small uh, caveat. I think the thing we're most afraid of is what it will tell us about ourselves that we probably are already suspicious of. That's the thing that we're most afraid of. When I, when I get into the situation that I don't like, that sucks. And we need to talk about what leads to that anyway. When I get into this, I'm a little bit concerned that I'm going to have external confirmation about what I'm already insecure about internally. It's, it's going to be a public thing or I'm going to have to face this in a real way. So then we get into all this other stuff, anesthesia, panic, retreat, fixing, all of that. I, I want to break it down into some common language to say it doesn't mean these big things that happen in people's lives that are just terrible and traumatic. We don't want to belittle that. Uh, but I believe God works in those things beautifully. Uh, he has in my life. It could be something very small. That's why I bring up the the word picture of just the the water hose going on the seals, you know, or uh, any any type of significant training where they throw you out in the ground. It's like 
20 degrees and you've got a little sheet to cover yourself up with, well, you're not going to die, but you're going to be uncomfortable all night. And then we're going to have to do something the next day. I just think as we are talking about the masculine journey, we have to familiarize men with the fact that the Bible is very honest and that this is our guidebook for life. We're not apologetic about that. It's very honest about there's trouble on the way. There's difficulty on the way. And as you start going down that way and you hit difficulty, we have story after story after story of men in the Bible that respond to that difficulty poorly and it costs them. So we got to figure out how to embrace the suck, how to embrace difficulty in our life, how to let God, this is a big thing, how to let God father us through that difficulty, believing that even if it is hard, he's got something good in mind for us. Yeah, well, you brought up that most ancient of stories where man, uh, the fall of man. And what I love about it is as God is saying, these are the consequences for your actions. He's telling Adam, this is going to suck. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to work your butt off. You're going to be miserable. You're going to feel pain. You're going to be sweaty and tired, but this is your fate. This is your new (laughs) reality. And then immediately after that, in the story, he takes care of them. I'm not going to send you into the suck without a little bit of this. I'm going to make clothes for you. You know, he, he does this. So it's like, he, he says, look, it's going to suck. You're going to have to experience the suck for a little while, but I'm here to take care of you too. You're not alone in this. Even when you feel alone, look, I'm caring for you. Yeah. I, I love that part of the story where God takes a moment to care for them in a way that was unprecedented. That we're going to, this animal is going to sacrifice, be sacrificed to provide clothing for you in a way that you're going to need to for a lot of different reasons i think you're absolutely right we we question god but i think the the bigger part of this difficulty is we just don't want it we just don't want difficulty but what what we're proposing here in episode one i know this is going to be at least a two-part what we're proposing in episode one is that there is a way to approach difficulty that will allow you to take the power from that difficulty that would make you paralytic to take that power from the difficulty and put it in you in your perspective and allow you to pace through it in a healthy way and we know based on our stories that it is in those difficult times when we have embraced the suck instead of running from the suck that God has done some of his best work 